Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. There's a profound difference between learning about something and actually putting it into practice and learning from it. As I think I quoted earlier, there's an old Zen saying that says, to understand but not to be is not to truly understand. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Over the next four episodes, I'm going to introduce you to a concept called deep practice. To begin, I'll address how we're conditioned by our parents and schools to attain knowledge, and that's about it. This works when we're being evaluated through papers and tests, but it's a shallow form of learning that fails us in the real world. Because while knowing about something is a necessary first step, most of life requires skill and awareness, and your knowledge about something just isn't going to help you. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. So I wanted to talk about practice today, the nature of practice. However, anybody wants to change the topic du jour, now is your chance. So that you can never say, Joseph didn't address my needs. I love taking that. Joseph, it's Catherine. Yes. I, I, I definitely want to talk about practice today because I'm finding um, it hard to put it into practice on a daily basis. And I remember after the fact that I should have done it. Okay. So, great. Thanks for asking. So, it's at the end of the day that you realize you didn't practice. Not during the day? No. It's usually... Right after I finished the conversation with someone and it didn't go as well as I'd hoped. And I thought, eh, if I'd used it then, it's usually right after, like five minutes after I've missed up. Okay, good. Great. This is terrific. This is the best possible thing that could be happening because I'm going to demonstrate what I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, so where, where in the conversation is the fork in the road where there's an opportunity to whatever it is, ask open-ended questions or challenge beliefs or whatever. What exactly is the fork in the road that you think you're missing? Um, is there a pattern? Well, I, I, I think my pattern is that I don't take a breath in between hearing what's said and believing what I know the answer or the direction should be. So okay. uh, I think I have to slow down. Okay, good. Now, I want everyone to notice what happened there. I asked Catherine a question, and did you see how she kind of squinted her being and was like, hmm, 
and like went into her own experience. And it wasn't, she actually slowed down to even answer the question. So there was like a inward looking curiosity. Yeah, where is that? And then it started out as what started out as the day ends and I realized I haven't been using it turned into, oh, here's the specific moment where I'm missing the opportunity and here's what I need to do. You guys see that? That's practice. Because the initial frame of, I'm having, I mean, it's great that you brought that, but the, the initial frame of, hmm, it's just not happening. Without, that's too broad. You can't work with that. It's, of course, a great starting point, and it's the right starting point if that's true for you. But then what you got to do with anything is go, okay, X isn't happening, or Y is happening, and I don't want it to. How does that happen exactly? Okay, now let's go one level deeper. So slowing down sounds good. Let's see if we can get even more specific. How will you make sure you slow down? I'm not sure. I think I need to ask myself a question. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Okay. Again, did you guys notice the inward looking? didn't result in necessarily anything clear, but at least there's the inward curiosity looking. And that's practicing the skill of, hmm, how do I do that? So even though it didn't result in something tangible, it was the same movement, right? So here's one thing you could practice. And that is with every individual, every one-on-one conversation you have with an employer or whoever you're doing this with, discipline yourself to only ask questions. That's the game. You only get to ask questions and, and making a statement is like a last resort. If like you really can't come up with anything or it's really not appropriate because you'd be amazed. If you play this game, you can get through an entire day just, ask, just asking questions. It's not easy. Now, why is it not easy? Well, because we're conditioned. We, we played the question game briefly in this last course, right? We did that. I do that occasionally here. Because you're going against this telling, statementizing thing that we're so conditioned to do. No, 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 no. That's how it works, right? So you got to go against the grain to ask a question. So that's the discomfort to steer yourself toward. Feel that, uh, I want, I really want to make a statement here. Okay, what's the question? And, and if, if that, it will potentially, likely disrupt the quote-unquote normal tempo of the conversation. When you do that, how will it disrupt it? Hmm. It will slow it down. You see? So you probably will find that you don't actually have to slow down the conversation. If you just ask questions, the conversation will slow down all by itself. What's likely happening is you're just, some part of you is not comfortable with the conversation slowing down. So instead of having that having that discomfort try to slow the conversation down, which won't work because it doesn't want to. You just squeeze yourself into a corner by saying, all right, I'm only going to ask questions here. And you'll slow down because your questions won't come as fast as statements, as telling. Okay, I got it. I can practice that. All right, cool. That was, I love when this happens. So cool. I mean, I couldn't have planned it. I have an intention for what to talk about today. And someone asked a question that is like, serves it on a five-star dining plate like that. Cool. Wow. 
So cool. Okay, so I want to talk about the nature of practice because you guys learned a skill in this, a uh, number of skills, I hope, or learned about a skill at the very least, as Deborah said, I think last time that this, this in many ways was just an introduction. And so the, there's a profound difference between learning about something and actually putting it into practice and learning from it. As, as I think I quoted earlier, there's an old Zen saying that says, to understand but not to be is not to truly understand. And this is where our, our education conditioning really screws us up because while knowing about something is the necessary first step, education teaches us usually that it's the last step. You know, you learn about something and then you regurgitate it in some form on a test. And then, congratulations, A, put it on the fridge, you're done, right? And certainly there are some kinds of knowledge, like if you're training to be on Jeopardy, where that's exactly the kind of training that you need. You know, congratulations, you know about something, here's $20,000. Cool. But most of life is not that way. Most of life requires skill and awareness. And the mere knowledge about something is not going to help you. So what I see all the time, unfortunately, it's quite tragic, is people in their learning efforts, in their growth efforts, they stop innocently and unconsciously at the level of knowing, at education, knowing about. I have a client this very moment I've been working with for five years. They were, have been a tough case. I'm so proud of myself that I hung on this long without getting upset with them because an older version of me would have um, been overly firm, let's say. And I have been patiently waiting for them to go past the knowing about phase. And as a sort of interesting sidebar, one of the reasons they never have yet is because it's a funded startup. And there's a really interesting thing that I learned sort of accidentally about funded startups. When a business doesn't have to make money, i.e. show a profit, it's sort of like having a gaping wound in your leg and you're stoned on morphine. You don't think there's anything that needs to be done about it. (laughs) So all of the dysfunction in the business, and there is plenty, they haven't felt because there's money coming in, tens of millions of dollars, that acts like Novocaine. So when they have uh, an employee who's not pulling their weight or is a problem, not doing their job, they just hire someone else. And now they got two people doing one job. Problem solved, right? And that works if you have, for all purposes, an infinite amount of money, which is what they've had. So what I've been doing is seeing absence of accountability, overwhelm, lack of focus, absurd organizational structure that is not sustainable or scalable. And I see it. They talk about this happening. And they give me sort of, they would give me whisperings of things going wrong. But because they were never in sufficient pain, because the profit and the cash flow was fine, there was never any reason to act on it, never any reason to do anything differently. Well, about six months ago, suddenly, the, they're a software as a service business. 
And suddenly, a bunch of their clients started quitting. And new sales were not only not making up for it, new sales started to slump as well. And suddenly, where they thought they had two years of cash to get to profitability, suddenly they had like six, seven months of cash because they were burning it so fast. What do we do? What do we do? Solve the underlying problem. You probably got 20, maybe even as many as 50% more employees than you need. But you don't know who they are because you haven't been holding any of them accountable. So you've got this mix of great performers and low performers, and you don't even really know who they are because your management has been from 50 feet away. You just basically let people do whatever they do in a uh, macro supervision mode. So I wish you could have heard the conversation I had with the CEO a week ago, because he's finally in enough pain where he's starting to see he's only been learning about all this stuff and not actually practicing it. And now the money is running out. They just raised a little bit more money. And so he sees now that he hasn't been practicing it. And, uh, and, he, and I said, okay, are you ready to begin actually doing this? And he's like, how can we make it happen in four weeks? <laughs> oh, I have to laugh because otherwise I'll cry. I mean, this is a business of 160 employees that a year from now may not exist. That's what this does. That's what happens when, you, when there's a sizable gap between what you know and what you practice. Because how it looks to me is when you're learning something, called to learn something for whatever reason, and you don't put it into practice, life goes, hmm, they're not using what they know. How do I make it so that they have to? How do I make things bad enough so that they feel like they've got to actually use this? And so that's what's happening. And the pain will continue to uh, become bigger and bigger until they actually deal with the underlying conditions because it's an artificial circumstance, a funded startup. It's not real. It's like uh, taking steroids. You know, you can do it for a while and eventually it's going to take a toll on you. It's not natural. So life will correct eventually. And uh, like economic bubbles, same thing. The, you know, hey, I know, let's make money by uh, lowering the bar for giving mortgages. And uh, people don't even have to state what income they have to get a mortgage. Let's try that for a few years, right? So like a hundred or so, maybe a thousand people made a ton of money off that. And then eventually the economy collapses because it's not real. Because people own houses or are not supposed to own houses. They can't afford it. Or the dot bomb of 2000. Hey, I know. Let's speculate the hell out of all these tech companies and pretend they're worth a ton and make lots of money selling tech companies and buying stocks in them. And eventually the whole thing crashes. Because there's such a thing as reality, folks. Not just whatever you want it to be. So you're entitled to your delusions. Just like Ayn Rand said, you can escape reality, but you cannot escape the consequences of reality. Eventually, we all will pay the price. And that's how learning happens. So it's interesting. I love the, the whole startup thing. Having worked with many startups, I've found that to be mm-hmm. true. It's crazy because uh, I've got, just through our, the, our work, several friends at Google Corporate that have since left corporate. And the co-founder, Sergey Brennan, 
famous, actually both the co-founders are famous for saying in all company meetings, don't worry about it. Money solves all problems. <laughs> and if I look at it under the lens of your definition, it's not actually solving b- problems. It's just buying a crap ton of morphine. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and what's interesting is you look at Google, you know, obviously one of the more successful, one of the more respected companies in the world. Well, they're really good at this one, two, maybe three things of the, I don't know, hundreds of things they've attempted. Yeah. But they just make so much money. It's like their own self-funded startup. In yeah. It's like, actually, like they are, actually, Alphabet, the parent company, is uh, funding all this stuff. Right. right? So... They are their own startups, so it's fascinating even thinking of that lens as a profitable company continuing their own delusion. Yes. It's, it's interesting to think about it like that. Totally. Well said. And Amazon has its own version of that. I, I don't understand it well enough to, to summarize it. I don't, We wouldn't have the time anyway. I once read a Motley Fool article that was about eight pages long about Amazon's financial schemes for how it works. And how they acquire businesses, acquire businesses, and then depreciate the hell out of the assets, and they they create cash flow where it doesn't actually exist. They're exploiting some really brilliant loopholes uh, and and their existing capital that they have to be able to keep going, uh, and but it requires constant new acquisitions to be able to pull off. They're also not operating in reality in some ways, and many companies do this. And so we would think of Google and Amazon as being enormously successful. And well, on, by, by that definition, they are enormously successful, but that doesn't mean they're healthy, right? That doesn't mean it's sustainable and there's a difference. And so you can be enormously successful without being healthy. Uh, Prince, Michael Jackson, <laughs> any number of these people are enormously successful, right? But scratch the surface of their lives. And it's a total mess. So it's up to you. Would you rather be, do you want to be healthy or successful? There's no value judgment here. You'll learn a lot either way. But I recommend healthy. Because that, that kind of absolute success, in my experience, isn't up to you anyway. The people who have enjoy that kind of, or not enjoy, that kind of crazy level success, that happens to them because they, they have a unique set of lessons that they're going to learn from that. Uh, you know, just like they, they, just like how people who win the lottery uh, always end up broke. They, they needed that lesson. They needed that much power, money, fame injected into the system so that they could see their shadow. And that, that's often how it is for people. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.